we've been talking about uh, forgiveness, but you know, it's pretty well agreed by all that the hardest person to forgive is yourself. We can actually feel recrimination inside ourselves and self-condemnation for all the things of the past, a lot of uh, self-accusation, a type of toxic guilt uh, where we have a lot of self-pity. You know how you can wake up in the middle of the night and you think of something from the past that really weighs heavily upon you? This unhealthy guilt, this sense of worthlessness that comes as a result of that. It's part of the mystery of iniquity in our human condition that our spirit becomes twisted and distorted and we live in a vortex of self-hatred oftentimes, right? Uh, And we just need the experience of, of mercy, mercy upon ourselves. It's the mercy of Jesus that sets us free, huh? And so we need to be able to accept his mercy in a deeper way. I'll tell you a story about this. Um, Sister Anne Shields told this story at a conference in Rome many years ago, but it really struck me. It's about a priest in California uh, who was finishing up his work on the Sunday night, and you know, the Sunday night priests just want to go to bed or watch telly or something uh, because they've been working hard during the day. He got a telephone call from the hospital, which was like about two hours away of a drive, and. The hospital uh, told him that there was a man dying who was a Catholic and, you know, he needed a priest. And uh, so the priest put the phone down and thought, oh, surely I don't have to go. But then he thought better of it and he got in the car and it was a storm blazing. So he, it took him longer to get to the hospital than two hours. So he arrived there. It was sort of early hours in the morning. He goes into the place where the the man was dying into the ward and, um, and he says to him, look, I'm a Catholic priest and I've come to you because they tell me that you're dying. And the man just said to him, get out of here and swore at him, you know, uh, and didn't want to have anything to do with him. So the priest says, well, there's a storm outside, I'll just hang around. So he had a cup of coffee and waited and, and then um, he thought, I'll have another go. So he went in and said, look, you know, I'm a Catholic priest, you're dying. There must be something you need to talk about, you know, that would be important for you before you die. I'll get out of here, he said, and swore at him again. Uh, and so the priest still hung around, and it was getting uh, further into the, uh, the morning, and um, so I'll just give one more go. So he went in this time and got to the bedside, and he said, look, I'm a Catholic priest. You know, I, I'm here for you. If there's anything you need to to express at this time, don't be afraid to do it. And the man said, oh, well, I may as well tell you. And so he told him that 40 years ago, uh, he was in charge of um, a signals box on a railroad track. You know, in the old days, they used to have these manual signals boxes where if you pull one lever the train will go one way, pull another lever, the train will take another track and go the other way. So it was Christmas time, he said, and he was drunk. He'd been had too much Christmas cheer. And the train came down and he pulled the wrong lever. And the train went down the wrong track, he said. And there was a car crossing that 
track at that time, and it smashed into the car, and the woman and her two children were killed instantly. And he said, I've never forgiven myself. I've lived by myself, I've had a horrible life, I've carried the shame of that and the guilt of it. I didn't have to go to prison, thankfully, for it all, because it was just seen to be a mistake, but I knew it was because I was drunk that this happened. And, and he said, I, that's how I've lived. I, I, I hate myself and I've had a, a terrible, lonely life of nothing. And the priest asked him a few more questions about the incident, uh, details, the date and where it was and all that sort of thing. And the man told him all these things. And then the priest said to him, he said, look, I have something very important to tell you. He said, you didn't know this. But there's another child in that car. And it was a little boy. And he actually survived. And he grew up and he became a priest. And he's now speaking with you. And so that man, that day, received forgiveness from the one person in the world he needed to hear it from. And it prepared him for his death. He also received the sacrament of reconciliation, which he hadn't received for years, and prepared for death. How wonderful is God in his providential care of us, you know. Yes, we can hold things in ourselves for years, feeling guilty and uh, the pain and, and, and the shame of the past. But the Lord wants to set us free. He has mercy upon us if we allow him to do that. It might be good to think about the difference between Peter and Judas. Remember how Peter said, Oh, Lord, I'll go to prison and I'll die for you and all that sort of thing. And Jesus said, Oh, Peter, before, you, before the cock has crowed, you'll have disowned me three times. And Peter thought that was ridiculous, but that's exactly what happened. He did disown the Lord three times. But we're told that the third time when the cock crew, the eyes of Jesus met those of Peter. And what did Peter see in the eyes of Jesus? Well, he saw, sure, the hurt, because Jesus had been hurt so badly by his friend who promised that he'd be with him until the end. But more so, he saw the mercy, the mercy in the, in the eyes of Jesus for him. And this made all the difference. Because Peter then could trust in God's mercy for him, even though he went outside and wept bitterly. On the other hand, Judas allowed himself to go into toxic guilt and shame that took him down into a, a pile of heap. See, Judas' sin was no worse than Peter's. Uh, he had betrayed the Lord too. But Judas went and hung himself. He didn't trust the mercy of God. That's the greatest, the greatest thing of all, isn't it? That we trust the mercy of God. Because all of us will sin in one way or another. All of us will let the Lord down. And rather than go into a vortex of guilt and shame, yes, we repent, and then we trust the mercy of the Lord who forgives us and sets us free. So another story that may help is in 1945, at the uh, end of the, the war, 
Um, there were these tribunals in France because France, as you know, had been occupied by Nazi Germany. And uh, there were many people who were like collaborators with the occupying power. And so these people were rounded up and sort of uh, there were tri tribunals that were you know, just hastily uh, formed and then they were just run into prison. So there was a man named Jacques and he, he had a good friend, Martin, and uh, when he was drunk one night, he just sort of said, oh, yeah, Martin was one of those collaborators and all that sort of thing. And, and uh, so people took it seriously. And then uh, the more serious it became, Jack sort of um, was too afraid to sort of say he was telling lies, etc. And, and so Martin ended up thrown into prison for 20 years because of this uh, artificial sort of thing. Uh, and so, of course, you can imagine how Martin felt towards Jack. <laughs> really, you know, betrayed by his, his own friend. Uh, and the only one that stood by him during his prison time was his wife. And during his prison time, his wife actually died. And, and also he lost his son in the French-Indochina War. So it was a terrible thing that happened to poor Martin. So anyway, he, when he finally was released about three years earlier than, than he was supposed to be, you know, he went back to the family home and it was all closed up. Um, and so he, he, he made, found entry and he found a letter there that had been left by his wife when she died. And in that letter, uh, the wife told him that, um, you know, she wanted him, when he came out of prison, to go to Lourdes, just like they used to in the old days, before he was thrown into prison. So Martin didn't want to do that. He didn't want to um, go to Lourdes. Uh, but uh, because his wife had been so good to him, he, he decided to do it. So he, he took the train to Lourdes and was going, went down to the grotto and, and he was really feeling really bad and rotten within himself about things. And, and um, there was a young woman there and she offered him a, a, a glass of water. And he took it and um, uh, thought that was very strange. And then he wandered off and he heard a priest talking about, you know, forgiveness. And he said, there's no way I'm going to forgive. That's the last thing I would do. But then uh, he met a priest who actually convinced him that he should go back down to the, the, the grotto just like his wife had asked him and because he hadn't really done it, fulfilled her wish. So he did. He went back down to the grotto and there this young woman was still there. And he was intrigued. He said, um, uh, why did you give me a glass of water? And she said, because you look so troubled and so distressed and I thought that um, you needed the prayer from the Blessed Virgin Mary more than I did. And, and uh, so Martin was intrigued. He said, and why, why were you here anyway? What was your prayer about? And she said, well, actually, um, I'm here because my father is dying. And he's, he's terribly uh, afflicted because he can't forgive himself because he betrayed his, his childhood a friend uh, and sent him into, into jail when he, he, he was innocent. And Martin looked more closely at this woman. He said, you're Marguerite. And she said, how did you know? He said, oh, you're, you're, I, I'm the man that your father betrayed. And she started to run. And he said, no, stop, stop. Please help me. Please help me. And so he said, look, I don't know how to pray to our Father, especially that part where it says about forgiveness. Please pray it with me. And so they prayed to our Father together. Uh, uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Uh, and uh, he said, and now, Marguerite, take me to your dad. 
and we'll, we'll have forgiveness. And so that was such a beautiful way that the, you know, Jaku, who had suffered so much, uh, suffered so much to, uh, in, him, in himself because of his own self-reproach and self-hatred for what he'd done, and Martin because he hated <laughs> uh, this man who had sort of caused him to go to prison for 20 years, uh, now the two of them were able to bring mutual forgiveness to one another. Isn't that wonderful, the grace of God? And the Blessed Virgin Mary is in all that too, huh? So don't forget to ask her help uh, in these issues when we co- it comes to you know, being able to forgive yourself. You know, we can place a heavy judgment on ourselves, can't we? Because of the sins of the past. And it does become a real obstacle to our human freedom. You know, we need to discover the merciful eyes of Jesus gazing upon us. There's no point um, in replaying it over and over again, all the transgressions of our sins of the past. You know, we've been to the sacrament of reconciliation, of course. Well, then that's it. You know, the Lord is forgiven. Uh, rather than go through some form of cruel self-torture that we can go into and stay in it, really, uh, rather than know the forgiveness and the mercy of God. Just one final uh, story. Um, John Plummer was um, an American uh, in the Vietnam War. He was responsible, actually, for the orders to drop napalm on the village of Trang Bang in Vietnam. You know how they used to drop napalm? It was terrible, sort of, to affect people's lives. So, you know, physically um, burning them alive, as it were. And there was the image of a, a young girl coming out of Trang Bang village uh, that some of you would remember uh, from the war years, the Vietnam War years. It was the the, the image that stopped the war, if you like, there was this young girl with her, her hands up in the air, screaming, uh, and, and, and her, her skin on, on fire, uh, and affected by the napalm, uh, and naked, you know. Uh, it was an amazing image that just, everyone, it just made everyone sort of shudder and realise the horror of this war. Uh, anyway... Uh, John Plummer was responsible for that, you see. So at the end of the war, that image was everywhere, and um, he just couldn't forgive himself for what he'd done, that he was the one who had ordered that to happen. Uh, and so he took to the grog, and uh, he sort of had a marriage broke up, and it was just terrible. But then he made up again with his wife and, and actually ended up sort of as a Christian uh, minister. You know, he turned to the Lord and ended up becoming a pastor. In the meantime... The, the, the girl, Kim Thuk was her name, uh, uh, she'd been helped by the very photographer who'd taken that photograph and she'd received medical treatment. It, it was a very serious condition that she'd had. Now her chin through the napalm was, had been fused to her chest and the right arm had been fused to her body. But the, the Americans were able to give her the um, medical help that she needed and so when she recovered, she actually ended up in Canada and got married, and she too became a Christian. And so in 1992, uh, she, she was actually speaking at the Vietnam War Veterans uh, uh, Memorial in Washington, D.C. She'd been invited to come and speak there. And John Plummer sort of had heard about, oh my goodness, he, he, he didn't know she was still alive. And so he really wanted to come 
to the event to hear her speak, and some friends came with him. And he was sort of really in a state of fear and trembling about it all, but he knew he had to be there. And so when she spoke publicly, he was just in the crowd, and and she said, you know, even if I, I met the, the man who was responsible for that napalm dropping on my, my village, I would forgive him. Uh, and she'd spoken a lot about the atrocities and everything, but she said, we must forgive. And so after the event, they were able to organise John Plummer to come round and to meet her. And what a meeting. You know, he just simply said, I... I I, I ask your forgiveness. Please forgive me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she just simply said, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. And he said later that as she did that, he saw the face of Jesus, the merciful gaze of the eyes of Jesus. And it was because of Jesus and the faith of this woman that he was able to be free of all that affliction. No more nightmares anymore that he was sort of always had. Even as a Christian pastor, he'd still had nightmares. So all that self-reproach and self-blame and uh, guilt that weighed heavily upon him of so many people who were killed in the, because of that action. But now he was forgiven. He'd met the merciful face of Jesus in another. And... Both of them then went around together in the United States uh, speaking of forgiveness and reconciliation as a witness to what can happen. So how wonderful is that, huh? So don't let uh, yourself fall into that self-recrimination and, and, and that self-afflictive torture that can happen when we just forget, forget the Lord. And, and even though he has forgiven, we find it hard to forgive ourselves. So let him give you that grace to let yourself off the hook because he doesn't want you to be in that state. You know, he wants you to be free. And if the sun shall set you free, you will be free indeed. And bless his name.